Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 17 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the um, phenomenal opportunity to have our friend Dick Foth back on the podcast for a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview with Pastor Rob Ketterling, where we discuss his book, The Speed of Unity. Learned a lot from Pastor Rob. And um, as many of you know, he leads in Minnesota and Minneapolis and has has been through some many challenging times this year, um, specifically 2020. And uh, appreciated our time with Pastor Rob. Dick, it's so great to have you back on the podcast. Always, always my pleasure. I, I love it. We and we love having you on and um, listeners continue to send in questions and um, we're thankful for that. And uh, I got two two new ones for you here today. What is one of your biggest leadership wins and what did you learn from it? Let me um, take one step back and give you not my definition of leadership, but a dear friend's definition of leadership. You know, leadership in its in its simplest form is influence. So the question is, when was your influence a win? But this leadership definition is uh, from our friend John Ashcroft, who's been on before, and it's this: a leader is a person who selects noble objectives and pursues them with such intensity and sacrifice that they carry other people with. A leader is a person who selects noble objectives pursues them with such intensity and sacrifice, they carry other people with them. And of course, the biblical text that I see that as a, or see as a backdrop to this, would be Hebrews 12th chapter. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the ground, and we're his joy, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, a leadership, if, if leadership is, is servanthood, then when did I see a win? I, I think I would have to say our children. And that was a joint effort, obviously. And in yeah. the early, particularly, it was more Ruth than I. Yeah. You know, it was that's just how it is. So so that that uh, piece of was there an atmosphere created? Were there things done? Were there conversations held? trips taken, whatever, to shape how they see the world in a positive way in relationship to Jesus. And I'm, I'm grateful to be able to say that at this point in their adult lives, and they're in their uh, upper 40s and early 50s now, those kids, um, that, that from all the signs, yeah. that seems to be a win for the Lord. I don't yeah. know. He wins, we win, right? For so sure. I think... I would have to say that. Yeah. And Dick, what did you, from that, what, was there a lesson or two you learned or, you know, from maybe from, for somebody like me, whose kids are not grown yet, um, I have teenagers, yeah. you know, what, I, from that, your family, what's, what would be a, a take-home point or two from that, that you learned from that process? So we made a decision early on that if we had to choose between giving our children experiences or things, we give them experiences because they can hmm. always get things and the things a way out wear out. The experiences never will. It's good. It's good. And, and also whatever my mission is, um, try to engage them in it in some little way. So, and again, 
our our listeners often find themselves in places where it's a natural quite a natural thing yeah. to get the whole gang involved if you will yeah, it's good but for me when uh, taking kids with me on trips so i took um, in, in their teenage years when i went to speak around the rural places i'd take one of them with and anyway that's, good Good deal. Well, the 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 opposite of that question um, that the listener sent in was, so what is one of the biggest leadership fails and um, or a yeah, thing that didn't go the way you thought it would go, and what did you learn from that? Um, I would say uh, by fails, I would have to say stumble because if it's really a failure, you stay down. Right? That's true. Good. So, so uh, I would say um, uh, the kids. Hmm. <laughs> is, that, is that at certain points in time because this is a trajectory right this yeah. isn't just you don't just freeze frame stuff right that at at certain times in their life and i would say probably um, especially for our son uh teenage years i was the busiest so you get this i was a college president blowing and going, trying to raise millions of dollars and so forth. And it was such a challenging space and time hmm. that I gave, uh, I was depleted. I remember walking into the house one time and Ruth said this, quiet, gentle Ruth looked at me and said, Dick, why is it that you give your prime time to people you hardly know? Wow. And the kids and I get the leftover. Hmm. I said, uh, do, you, like, do you have another? <laughs> so, so I think it has to do, it has to do with you, you win or, uh, you win or lose, yeah. uh, stumble or stand with where you see primacy. Wow. What, what goes, show me your, your uh, credit card bill and your calendar, and I'll tell you what your value. Wow. And how that relates to those closest in yeah. is, I think, the most important piece. Yeah, good word. Good word. Dick, really appreciate you being on the podcast. And as, as I say, it's, it's always gold to spend time with you and to learn from you. I really appreciate how you, you phrase that. It's stumbling versus fail. And I'm standing. And that's, 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 that's a, that's a uh, quote right there. And I really appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and jump into our um, uh, interview today with Pastor Rob Ketterling, where we discuss his book, Speed of Unity, and to learn a lot from Pastor Rob and really appreciated him being on the podcast is to um, share about his book and um, the different stages in an organization. And what we're looking for is that speed of unity and the value of each stage as we move, move towards that. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Pastor Rob Ketterling. I have uh, listened to his teaching and listened to his podcast, his his church's podcast uh, weekly, and um, he is someone that has spoken into my life. And recently, I was able to pick up his new book, um, Speed of Unity, and um, I, I reached out and asked if he would consider having a, a, a conversation about it um, on the podcast. Pastor Rob, so excited to have you with us here today. Oh, it's great to be with you, and I love technology that allows us to connect, although I wish I was with you because it's minus 11 here in Minnesota today, <laughs> minus 11. 
Well, Nairobi, Kenya, it's probably 70, 75 and beautiful. So um, weather-wise, we are, uh, we're, we're beating you on that one. Yes, you are. And I love the people over there. So it'd be great to be there. Pastor Rob, um, before we jump in, I'm sure the majority of the people who are listening to this podcast um, know who you are, but you just take a few minutes and, and share um, about yourself and about the church and about your ministry. Sure. Um, I am a native Minnesotan. Uh, got saved at a Billy Graham crusade when I was seven. Uh, first missions trip was to Belang, Brazil when I was 15. That birthed within me just a heart for world missions and uh, was a youth pastor. Started our church in 1995 right out of youth ministry. Put $100,000 on my credit cards. Ooh. That's how I started this baby. And at 23% interest, we started River Valley Church. And uh, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. It was I wouldn't recommend it, but here we are years later. Now we're giving millions of dollars to world missions. God's been so good to us. But the church has grown and broken every barrier from 100 to uh, 10,000. We were weekly attendance pre-COVID. And now COVID, we pivoted like everyone else. We're online uh, predominantly with half of our congregation back in person. We uh, have a goal as a church to send out 500 missionaries hmm. from our church. Currently, we have uh, sent out 130 some right in that range. We have 200 in the pipeline. That's our training uh, pipeline that we have. Uh, it's our bullseye for our church. It's what we're uh, about. We're a local church with the bullseye of sending 500 missionaries out into the world. We have a, a deep love and desire to send them to the 42% of the world that has never heard. So we really are focused on that, um, although we'll send people anywhere. Yeah. And uh, I, I, with the Assemblies of God, obviously, uh, Executive Presbyter there. And uh, I keep busy, keep busy leading this church, uh, being a husband, a dad, yeah. um, a leadership coach, author, and I love every minute of it. I, I, I get home at nine o'clock at night and um, we've just done ministry or stuff. And I look at my wife, I said, now what are we going to do? And she's like, we're going to stay home like normal people. And I'm like, man, we're not going to bed for a couple hours. She's like, chill out. Wow. Well, we, Paul McCabe, um, who you has sent out from your church. I've gotten to know Paul very, very well. Um, he, and, uh, such a great friend. And, um, so anyway, we appreciate your passion for missions and, um, sending people like Paul and, uh, Paul is, uh, has become a great friend and I really appreciate Paul. And, um, as we've got to, got to serve together. Your book, Speed of Unity, um, you share that organizations move at three different speeds. Um, can you just unpack those three different speeds? I know it's a big topic. I don't want to give all the book away. We want people to buy the book. Um, but can you and why they're important for a missionary leader? Yeah, I, first of all, I this came from somebody saying your church is moving really fast and you're growing. And, and I wonder how come you're like growing so fast. And I said, you know, well, we're a visionary church and we, we know where we want to go. And, and then I thought, I wonder if vision is as fast as you could go because, you know, Habakkuk 2.2 talks about write the vision down and make it plain so that the herald may run with it. And, and I've always lived that if you wrote the vision down, if you gave people something to rally around, um, they would do it. 
um, I jokingly say, like, if you said the vision of our church was to have a, you know, uh, accordion band that is world class, accordion players from across the world would join the <laughs> church. Now, I'm not re- recommending it, but there's a vision cast and people rally around vision. And so I've always felt that because we had a vision, people rallied around it. Well, then it got me thinking, like, I wonder if that is the fastest speed. And so I looked into the Bible and I saw that Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together unless they agree? And I realized agreement equals walking, vision equals running. Is there something faster than that? And that's where I realized in Genesis early on, God says when they're building the Tower of Babel, these people are so unified, nothing is impossible to them. And then I realized, Unity is the speed where nothing is impossible. And then I was like, where else is unity? Of course, Psalm 133, behold how pleasant and good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil flowing down Aaron's beard. And, you know, and I was like, okay, God's telling us unity is like anointing. And then I realized Jesus says, Father, I pray that they will be one like we are one. And Jesus was telling us, we're moving at the speed of unity, me, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And then Pentecost poured out on the day, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out when it says they were all in one place in one accord. I'm like, the speed of unity, that is faster than vision. And that's what I, I've been tinkering with and trying to protect and trying to make sure that we have is the speed of unity. And if you're a, a missionary um, running at that speed, uh, you're going to get the greatest return. And And you would probably say, we're nowhere near there. I mean, hopefully you're not the speed of disagreement. Um, but I know, I know there's hierarchy in missions and I don't know what every position is exactly, but I know you'd have regional directors, field directors, bosses over this, this, this area directors. If you don't have unity, um, you're like, okay, can you get behind my vision? And if you don't have vision, it's like, can we at least agree that we both want to do something for God each level down makes it a little slower because there's things that come into play. If you're just at agreement, it's transactional. If you're at vision, it's, it's a focused goal. If it's a unity, it's a connection of heart. So the goal would be for missionaries to be in alignment with everyone above them, below them, around them, and, and being able to get things done. And you even look at like um, other countries that you're in, Based on the ability of agreement within that country, you'll see the speed. Things don't move slow. Why? Because there's not a speed of unity. There's not a speed of vision. There's not a speed of agreement. This guy's out for himself, and this guy's out for himself, and she's out for herself. And and it slows everything down. So you want to run at that speed. You do. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I really appreciated about your book is you highlighted the, you know, that each each speed, there's an importance and it wasn't and the, the value in each one. But you also highlighted what's which is was interesting. You said it's excruciating. You said, I think going from a toxic to an agreement, when you make those shifts, it's not like sometimes it can't just be this smooth thing, but actually it takes a it's a lot of work and a lot of focus. Can you just share your experience with that in, in the changing from from toxic to agreement, agreement to vision, and then to unity? Is it just a smooth process? Yeah, it's, it's not. And uh, I, I think about a lot of people want to buy something to get to the next speed when really they need to uh, 
usually let go of something to get to the next speed and then become something. I'll explain that. Like usually if, if you, you have to make a breakup or um, let somebody off your team or uh, think that unity is more important than just role filling. And, and so moving from disagreement to agreement uh, takes a, a ton of work. Agreement to vision, I think is probably the smallest and then vision to unity is also very hard because few get there and it's so easy to be happy with where you're at. Um, so each step requires adding and subtracting things from the organization and nobody likes to subtract. Um, I share it in the book, but um, the moment in the Steve Jobs movie where he fires one of their guys and they said, Steve, you just fired our best guy. And he goes, yeah. no, I fired the best guy that doesn't love what we do. And mm. I, I mean, I just stood up and had revival in the theater <laughs> in that moment because sometimes you have to let people go that are great, that are just keeping you back from that top speed that you want to run at. And so it, it's painful. And, and I talk about pastoring like a parent. I put that in the book and different things that help people in this, but it's painful. And it, sometimes you have to let those people go that don't agree with you. Like they're talented and, and you're going to move faster without them. And that's just so hard to do because you just want to keep people around. You don't want to uh, take the time to fix it. And that, that was from a previous book that I had called fix it. And it was like, if it's your problem to solve, you got to solve it. And one of the things a leader has to do is protect unity. And it's hard. And it'd be so much easier to just be okay with like, good enough. But you know, there's a faster gear in you. And so own it to fix it and, and, and step in and fix that problem. Why do you think leaders struggle to, is it courage or is it to have those difficult conversations, you know what I mean? To have, it's painful, but if they know it's slowing them, slowing us down, sometimes we're really hesitant to do that. Well, um, here's the thing I've learned. A lot of pastors are what I would call or missionaries or leaders are kind hearted people. And I mean this in the nicest way, chaplains. And I know chaplains are doing amazing work, but we kind of feel like all we have to do is comfort people and just kind of, take care of them. And you, if you do that, you'll have dysfunction. Hmm. What you really need to see yourself is a coach or a person that is making sure that everybody's getting to their highest level and giving the greatest return to their talents to God. And if all you want to do is make sure that everybody's comfortable, the dysfunction will rise and you'll only go to the speed of the dysfunction. But if you see yourself as coach, I need to coach people. I need to make them better. I need to confront them. Um, I, I talk about pastor like your parent in the book. And uh, I just feel like God just showed me that I confront Connor and Logan because I want them to be better. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I love them and I want them to be better. And so I don't just like, oh, well, that's no big deal. Um, I'm going to say, hey, don't do that. That's a, a trait that you don't want to have in life. Hey, fix this over here. You don't want to be that kind of guy. And, and I do that. Well, a lot of people in their organization, their church, their missions group, they just like, oh, I don't want to have that awkward conversation. I, want, I don't want to talk to them about their blind spots. I don't want to rock the boat. And so you just kind of, 
the dysfunction slows you down and you've got to be willing to say, I'm going to confront the dysfunction in love. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to kick everyone off the team. I actually want to see them change because we've invested so much in them. Yeah. But if they can't change, then we've got to make the change. That's good. Good word. You share um, in your book that when you're communicating a better future, you ask yourself, where are we now? Where can we go? And what will take us there? And then you talk about integrating those, the three the speeds in there. Can you just unpack that a little bit more for us and how you go through that process of asking yourself, where are we now? Where can we go? And what will get us there? And then the, the integration with these three speeds. Yeah, I think a lot of people try to paint a better picture of their uh, where they are right now. And I want the accurate picture. I, I don't know who told me this, but I love this statement. They said a good leader wants... Uh, hot and cold water they 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 want hot and cold and i said what do you mean? they want the good news and they want bad news and a good leader can fix the bad news and so you want the hot water and the cold water what do you what am i doing well what am i doing bad and so um i want to know where i am right now give me the good the bad and the ugly so that i know what i'm dealing with and i know what i need to fix and what i need to take care of then where do I, uh, and come on to go. I want to know clearly the vision and, and where I'm heading and have a clear pathway of where, where is the home run? Where do we get victory? Where are we winning? And then also then what are the steps to get us there? Because, and who are the people? What are the relationships I need to build? What are the resources I need to add? What are the things that are missing from the mix? Um, sometimes we try to over-spiritualize it. And we're like, we can't get this done because the enemy is fighting us. He is fighting us, but we're missing a key piece that we need to get to the result. And so if I know what I have, and if I know where I'm going, and then I look at what I need in between, I'm like, okay, I need this type of person. I'm going to pray for that. I need this amount of money. I'm going to pray for that. I need this favor. I'm going to pray for that. And, and I'm going to pray, I'm going to position, I'm going to plan, I'm going to hint, I'm going to ask, I'm going to do all I can do to get to that spot where I can get it done. Hmm. That's a good word. That's a good word. And then what do you do when you're, and then you maybe face resistance in those, in that process. Is that when you have to realize that maybe some of the people that might not be, that are there might not get you where you want to go. And then you, then you have those difficult conversations. Yeah, you do. And um, here's something that I've learned that isn't, it doesn't make people bad people. People are gifted, like think about the parable of the talents, one, three, five. Okay. Um, people, Jesus didn't get mad at the one with three that didn't give a five talent return. He was thrilled that he did it. And sometimes people are gifted for the season you're in now. And then you had to do a new season and you need a new gifting. And so we try to retrain, move them around on the bus as much as possible. But if we need to, you need to have those conversations. Hey, you, we've got as far as we can with you. You need to hand it off. Now, in, in the church world, we see that as failure. In the business world, they see that as success. Here's mm-hmm. what I mean. Imagine this. I start a company and I grow it to $3 million in sales. And I, I've kind of stalled. And... um Pixar comes along and says, we want to buy your company for $50 million. We see the unlimited potential. We want the technology and the right. 
I would be shooting off rockets that <laughs> I grew a company to $3 million and I sold it to Pixar. The rest of my life, I'd be like, I sold my company to Pixar for $50 million. I sold, I grew it to three, but I sold it for 50. And I wouldn't say I couldn't grow it to where they took it. Yeah. In the church world, we grow things to a certain level and then we feel like we have to become the person that can take it to the next level hmm. or, and we're a failure because we could why can't we say, Hey, I grew this church to 200 and then I turned it over to them. I grew this ministry to this size and then turned it over to them. I did this and, and, and you know what? I did what I could. I got you to where I could. Now I let you go from here on in. Somebody else has got to take you to the next level. But we just feel like because we're on team and because we've like been around for a while, we should stay in our role for long. And it's hard because I get it. I get it. I get it. Cause I could hear somebody saying, well, I get compensated more if I stay with the team and get to this next level. Yeah. But sometimes we promote people to the level of their incompetency hmm. and, and then they be, they become frustrated. And so uh, you just got to know who you are, how you're gifted, how you're wired. I'll give you an example that I wish the church would do and no one's ever done it, but like there are people that are really good at starting churches really good and they can't get them much more than a couple hundred but they can start them and they nobody like they just are good well you almost should pay this person to be a church starter and then hand it over to other people i got this idea from the, an apostolic guy he said every church he started he had them support him for his next church plant and huh. so like started this one got to a couple hundred then they put him on for a couple hundred a month as an apostolic church planner then he started another one, got a couple hundred a month, did that, did that, did that, did that. Pretty soon he had 35 churches supporting him at a couple hundred a month, plus a salary from the church he was doing. And it, But it was genius. I was like, that's what he was gifted at. He didn't say, I have to struggle and struggle and struggle and try to get to a bigger church. I just need to plant churches. That's what God's wired me to do. Wow. So good. if we can think that way, I'm gifted to this level. And then I hand it off and that's okay. It's not a failure. It's actually a good thing. I think that would help the body of Christ. Good, good word. You shared that, um, talking about the speed of unity, um, you said there's certain signs when we're shifting into the speed of unity and the, you know, the, the, your speed of unity, you'll know it when you feel it. You know, that's the title right. of the book. Um, what are some of these certain signs that we'll know when we're shifting um, to the speed of unity? Yeah, I mean, the the, the uh, there's so many. Uh, the, the obvious one, you'll know when you feel it. Like, here's, an, I'll explain that. Like, when you are in unity with somebody and you see them, you're like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. And it, it lifts you. Hmm. And you like, let's eat together. I didn't know you were going to be here. And there, there's that unity. When you're not in unity with somebody, how many of you get that stomach flip? Like, you're like, oh, no, they're here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I make eye contact. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And so you know when you feel it. So when you're shifting into it, that's one of the things. You just feel it. Um, and, and I can give you a tangible thing if you've ever been to a Chick-fil-A. And you walk into a Chick-fil-A, and they're like, my pleasure, my pleasure. And they're all moving like one, and they're all trained together. And you go to another place, it's like, whatever. Surprise. <laughs> you know, like, you can feel it. You yeah. can feel it. So that's one of the things that, you know, when you're shifting into that. Another thing, and I, I give a whole list of them, but I'll give you another one. You don't second guess each other. You know, mm. somebody shares something and you go, okay, I'm going to trust them. 
I'm going to go with it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll ask them why. But I'm not going to always like, what, what? If you're on the mission field and you are second guessing your leader, your team, you're, you are moving way too slow, way too mm. slow. So these are things that you feel. And then other things, you start speaking the same language. You almost, you talk to one person, next person, and they're all, you're like, did you all rehearse this? No, we're at the speed of unity. We're in this together. And we're even thinking alike, talking alike, acting alike. So it's good. it happens. It's good. And then in that speed of unity, do you still look for diverse voices to help speak in so you don't get caught up in maybe like groupthink? And do you get try to look for diverse voices to continue your, to create, to spawn creativity and um, to see, make, is that, does that make any sense at all? Oh, absolutely. A team doesn't have to be all identical to have unity. Okay. Mm. And uh, when I asked John Maxwell to write the forward for this, I, I sent him a text and said, Hey, can you write the forward for my next book? It's called speed of unity. He called me right away and he goes, all right, explain to me. Uh, unity does not mean uniformity. If unity means uniformity in your world, then I'm not writing the forward for it. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't mean because because right now people think unity means like we all just shut up and go along with it. And everybody just like sheep go along. I said, no, Speed of unity means that we bring our gifts to the table. We all are able to say our part. The best ideas are thrown out. And then after we've shared our piece, we leave unified. And yeah. I talk about support, agree, disagree. Um, the highest level you can have is I agree with this decision. Hmm. Okay. Now let me explain this. If you're on a team and you bring your ideas together as a team, the team has to make the decision and somebody's decision or idea will win. Hmm. Let's say that eight people like voted yes, two people voted no, but that wins. Okay, you're part of a team. The eight people that voted yes can leave the meeting and say, I agree with this decision. That's hmm. the highest level. But the two people that voted no because they're part of a team still have to leave the room and say, I support this decision. Okay. That's the minimum. If you're going to have unity, you throw your ideas out there and then you say, I support the decision. Now you may not agree with it, but because you're a part of the team and you're not going to create disunity, you leave saying, I support the decision. Now you don't sidebar and say, well, really, I didn't even like the idea, but I support it. No. <laughs> I mean, Imagine you're on a football team and a play is called and you say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that play. So I'm not even going to run. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to block. You don't get that. Like the team yeah. falls apart. So yeah. you support it and you block with all your might, hoping that the idea that was called is right. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you disagree, if you, if you can't agree or support and you just disagree then you might have to part ways or go for counseling, but you cannot think that unity means uniformity. I need skill sets and different thinking. And one of the things that frustrated me about the COVID response is we have not put the best minds in the room together. We mm -hmm. have, uh, we have politicized this and made it so that the best minds are not in the room and everybody's fighting for their cause. Yeah. I mean, Imagine what it would have been like if we'd have taken 
20 scientists from around the world and made them a global consensus. And they had to fight it out in the room and then vote. And the best ideas came out. That's now, good. imagine in America, if the House, the Senate and the president all would have been in meetings together, no partisanship, just give us the best ideas to solve COVID. Instead, it became partisan and angles and using it to fight each other. That's not unity. That's division. And that, that'll tear people apart. That's good. How, what word of wisdom would you give to a, a missionary that maybe has struggles with separating ideas from identity? Meaning when they share an idea, they're so tied to it that if it's not chosen, they can't let it go. Does that make any sense at all as far as a question? Yeah, um, it does. And here's why. Um, I understand this. Leaders that share ideas are almost like artists that create a work of art. Hmm. And you feel a deep heart attachment. Imagine if I painted a picture and then I put it up on the wall. I expressed myself painting that picture. And then somebody walks by and goes, that looks stupid. Like, you'd be like, ooh, like part of me is on that <laughs> canvas. It's like when people tell me like, you know, yeah, we really don't like your church, but we want to stay friends with you. No, you don't understand. Like part of me is on the church. Like I'm pastoring and leading it. This is not just, I'm not just making widgets. It's, it's part art, it's heart. And yeah. so when you're leading an organization and you're part of a team and you're trying to change the world and you're a missionary, like your heart is in it. And so when somebody shoots down your idea, you're like, no, you don't understand. I'm trying, this is me. I'm trying to change the world. If I didn't think this would work, I wouldn't say it. Yeah. And so you need to be in an environment where um, you're able to share what you think and then also get great feedback. Hmm. I would be really afraid if you're sharing your ideas and you're not getting great feedback from your leaders, hmm. because if your lead ideas are not being taken, then you should be able to say, give me feedback. What am I missing? What don't I see? Hmm. How can I be better? Like that in, in that environment, you can share ideas. And then even though it's so deeply held within you, because you're getting good feedback, you're like, okay, I can refine that. I can do that better. I can, okay, now I see my blind spot. Those are the things. It's just part of you is in leadership. That's, that's what makes it so personal. That's good. And so you talk about looking for feedback is, is a leader. How do you, when you're leading at this, the speed of unity, is that something that you focus on is giving feedback in the room? And how do you, as you shared, it's, it's, it's like an artist when they share an idea, it's like an artist. How do you care for people? Do you, yeah. How do you care for people? Maybe when the, their idea was not what was chosen and you go to a, go in a different direction, how do you yeah walk them through that? Well, I'll give you a biblical example, okay? On the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses show up with Jesus. Hmm. And what does Peter do? He goes, we should build three temples or tents. <laughs> okay? He's like, I got a great idea. And Jesus is like, I love you, Peter. That, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. And he says, like, allow me to redirect your passion. Hmm. Your passion is amazing idea wasn't perfect, but your passion is amazing. Allow me to redirect your passion. And we're not going to do that for these guys. Okay. Yeah. And so 
I think a good leader redirects passion for people. And then a good follower allows a leader that's further ahead of them to redirect some passion. Hmm. Okay. Um, so that's part of it. And you want to do it in love. Like Jesus didn't say to Peter, like, Peter, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, he's like, Peter, let me redirect your passion. That's good. And, and let me, let me help you out. That's good. That's so good. to me, um, and even like, think about when Jesus is washing their feet and he, Peter's like, you'll never wash my feet. Like, that's the wrong idea. And Jesus is like, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And he's like, mm. then wash all of me. He's like, no, you don't need all of me. Just your feet. Peter, once again, let me redirect your passion. Yeah. And I would yeah. think that a lot of missionaries are like Peter. Like, you know, like, you just got to have it in you to, to, to go and to charge. And, to, you know, the best thing in your life would be a leader that you trust enough to redirect your passion and help you to do the right thing and not just always the thing that comes out of you. That's um, good. And, uh, and then wisdom for those of you that are leaders uh, to be able to allow people to run fast. Don't be afraid of, of bold leadership. Like I tell leaders that they have a, a can of water and a can of gas and you can pour gas on the fire or you pour water to cool it down. Look for opportunities to pour gas to make it go faster instead of water to slow it down. Um, th those are my thoughts on that. Of just uh, that's a good being word. Able to lead no, that way. No, it's a good word, and uh, I really appreciated the the biblical um, examples because it does uh, it does give an example of of what that looks like for us and models um, models that for. I think sometimes as leaders we can be intimidated when someone um, is maybe running fast or someone that is going out and. Uh, maybe the natural tendency would be to pour water to slow them down. Um, but what I hear you right. saying is, is, is not to be intimidated, not to be um, holding on too tightly, but to, to allow them to, to go forward. Is that something that comes with maturity and leadership or pastor Rob, or how, how do you, how does someone get there? You know, I think when you realize that um, you're not at the center of it, you're just a part of it. It, it gets there. Like, I don't know, when you think like I have to build the name or people need to remember me or it was my idea. Like, I honestly believe like as lead pastor of River Valley, I'm like the coach. And, um, you know, I, I want to put people in the right spot to succeed and, and win and fulfill what God has called them to do. I'm not thinking about, remember Rob Ketterling and it was Rob and I'm the great. It, so there's a maturity to that. And then it's also realizing like um, there's more where that came from. I, I, that's a teaching I probably should develop, but hmm. like, like we grew up with like, there's only so much to the pie and you got to get your slice of it. Yeah. There's only so much time and it's running out. Um, like, when I heard this statement, I was blown away and it made me change my thinking. Like the universe is constantly expanding right now. Hmm. It's not staying still and it's not shrinking. It's literally expanding as we speak. Hmm. And to me, there's always more where that came from. That's good. God has more where that came from. And so I was talking about this with my son, Logan, about sharing ideas. Like 
I'm sharing my best ideas today. Why? Because I believe there's better ones tomorrow. Hmm. And I want to share the next thing. And, and people like hold on to their best sermon, preach your best sermon today, because guess what? Then you'll look for your new one, which will be your best one and wow. get your best one. Your best one, your best one. And so it's always expanding. There's more where that came from. And so I'm just like, share, empower, push forward, go, live for the well done. And then there's a thing that's amazing. Think about this. Corporate America only gets to live for the now. Yeah. Like they got to get paid now. They got to get their bonus now. We are living for the well done. Yeah. And so everything we give away that somebody else multiplies and does more with that we may not get credit for God still puts into your account and says, well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. One more question. I've taken more of your time than I asked for, but I just just want to ask one more question. Um, You share that it's the the leader's job to guard unity. And you've talked about that. And in that with those hard conversations, because if we get out of alignment, that's when, um, yeah, then that's when we can grow into disunity. And you on you share that there's three areas um, that, that we need to grow in um, when we discuss when we want to bring things back into alignment. Can you share those with us? You know, um, here's the thing that I would share in that thought in growing. You've got to grow in in confronting people in love is probably the biggest thing that I would just I, I would just love to focus on that with pastors For and sure. missionaries. Um, The, the the level of dysfunction just rules the team. And I think that's the biggest thing we've got to learn how to do. So some of us need to hear that right now. And then I just feel led to share this. Some of us need to learn how to come back after we've corrected something. Now, there's a rare percentage that's able to say like, that was bad. Don't do that again. Knock it off. Most of us can't do that. Yeah, But for that rare percentage over here, you know what you need to learn how to do? You need to learn how to circle back and come back and say, hey, you're, are you okay? Think again, I'm using Peter uh, quite a bit, but Jesus, after Peter denies him, Jesus circles back and says, are you okay? Feed my sheep. Are you okay? Are you good? Okay, so some people that are boom, 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 you need to learn how to circle back and come around and assure the team they're okay. But there's majority you need to learn in order to protect unity. You need to learn how can I confront in love and say the things I need to and, and have the courage to say that. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just feel like that's something to focus on. No, and for sure. Small group over here, and you probably all know who they are, and you all are pointing at them like, they need to hear that one. They're <laughs> abrupt. And the majority are over here that just need to learn how to do it in love and build up the courage to do it, to, to want the best in people. And I will say this, what's beautiful about this next generation coming up, they want feedback. Yeah, They're almost a little like, like gluttons for punishment. You know, like, tell me how bad I am. And you're like, you're terrible. They're like, thank you. You know, but they, nobody's ever told them how to get better, what they're yeah. bad at or, yeah. or, or even what they're good. Like everybody got trophies. So like, how am I special? Or, you know, but when somebody gives them real honest feedback, they're like, oh, and they're drawn yeah. to it. So that might actually work in our favor. Like, hey, can I speak into your life? Yes, please. Yeah, so. that's good. Do you, why do you think 
you know, on both accounts, when we have those hard conversations, we're maybe a little hesitant to go do that follow up. You know, you talked about circling back around and seeing how people are doing. And in my life experience, I'm 44. Um, you know, people have had hard conversations and even me, I'll have a hard conversation. But it's almost like, ah, I don't want to. It's like you don't want to bring it up again. And you're, you're but then I, I always regret it. Is that is that something that's common amongst leaders that the the hesitancy to circle back around because you're afraid you might go to pick a wound or hit on a wound that's already there, but it's so vitally important. Oh, absolutely. If you deal with this, you're going to deal with it your whole life of, uh, I got to circle back. Oh, I've got to follow up. Oh, uh, now I'll give you a a hint. And I think it's from my book, fix it. Um, I talk about like taking it off of you and putting it on them. Whenever you confront somebody, you're like, okay, here's what we need to work on. Da, 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 da. Okay, okay. Well, now it's in no man's land and you didn't give any like reason for you guys to reconnect unless you're going to bring up the sore again. Yeah. So it, it's better if you say this, hey, here's what you need to correct. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Hmm. I want you to do this, this, and this. And when you're done with that, come back to me. That's you see what I'm saying? Word. Yeah, it's a good word. Okay, you put it on them. The action step is on them, and then they're going to come back. Now, you could make yourself a note, like, ask Bill about, did he read the book? Did he say he's sorry to Susan and did blah, blah, blah? Okay, and you can make your note and put it in your calendar for 60 days from now if they don't get to you. And then you could say, hey, I was just checking. Did you do the things I asked you to do? You want to put it on them. Because if it's on you, they were like, well, I was waiting for you to have another meeting. I was waiting for you to tell me what book to read. I was waiting for you to, you know. So as a leader, what you want to do is take it off of you and put the action on them. You know, because how many times you say like, all right, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Well, now it's on you. Yeah. But what if you say, you know what? Why don't you think about it? And I'm going to think about it. Come up with three solutions and then send those three solutions to me and I'll let you know. Now mm. it's on them. Yeah. So good to me, when you're confronting, in order to, to make it move forward better, say, these are the things I want you to do. And when you're done, get back to me on that. That's good. That's good. Pastor Rob, I could ask you questions all day long, but I, I, I won't do that to you. Would you, we normally end the podcast in a time of prayer. Will you pray um, for the missionaries uh, listening around the world um, into this podcast that um, we will take this, uh, your writings to heart and the, as we, we proclaim the gospel that we will focus on trying to get to a speed of unity. And, um, and for maybe those that are listening in, they're struggling, they're thinking, man, if I could just get to agreement, I'd be a happy, not, not unity, or maybe there's somebody in, in agreement and they've just, you know, just getting to that next vision stage. But would you just pray for the audiences that they, where they're at today, um, that God will use what you share? Yeah, Lord, I just pray right now that uh, all those that are listening know what speed they're at. I just pray they'd have that ability to assess, I'm at this speed. And from that, they'd see the changes they need to make. You're, you're, you speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray they'd listen, and then I pray they'd respond. They wouldn't just listen. They would be hearers that do. And so I'm praying for those that are struggling. There's disagreement. I just know that there are. I've, I've had times where I've talked with missionaries, and, and they just are 
there's disagreement with their leaders. I pray they get through that. They they have the ability to solve that so they could at least get to the speed of agreement. But God, I pray they'd never be satisfied with that. They'd fight uh, to fulfill their vision and to move forward. But as they're running fast, I pray there wouldn't be those casualties behind them. Many times visionaries can have casualties pile up behind them. And so I pray that that wouldn't happen. Instead, I pray that They'd move at the speed of unity. They'd love their team. They'd move forward. They'd protect that unity. And they'd really move at the speed that they're called to. And so, God, I just pray for that, the boldness to do that, the courage to do that, the ability to do it. And, uh, God, I just look forward to them working faster and, and stronger than they ever have before. And let them never forget they're working for the well done. They are working for the well done. You are never missing one thing they're doing. You're smiling from heaven. And they are working for the well done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 